4 o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Hour 2 live at Silver 7's. Come on down. Happy hour still going on until 5 o'clock. 277 on lots of the drinks. You sign up for the A-Play card. They've got three days of weekly gift giveaways when you acquire a certain amount of points. So Silver 7's great place for gamers. Angels helping out at the set. Adam Hill is here. Ari's back in our Finley Toyota studios. Give me a little crunching. So I want to continue with this topic of live because now I'm starting to kind of see a game plan here. As you say, it's really more of a PR arm. The Saudis have lots of money and they're coming in and kind of upsetting the apple cart with the PGA, which in a lot of ways I enjoy like rich on rich crime. Go ahead. You guys fight it out. That's dynamite. You know, super rich people versus like super, super, super rich people is hilarious. And the PGA whining about it is tremendous, tremendous. So now they're making a run. They just signed uh, David Faraday, who's been, a, you know, he's one of the most entertaining guys. He and Gary McCord are, you know, the guys who are kind of the outliers, right? They're, they're crazy. They're funny. To, but to, to, they, do, they, to do what? They play along. All right? Okay. Okay. That's what we're trying to figure out. I, I think they're just, they're just trying to freaking upset people. And if they steal Barkley, Charles Barkley, and by, by the way, Greg Norman has already invited Barkley to play at the Live Golf at Trump's Bedminster course in northern New Jersey and Barkley said yeah I'm playing in it well Norman you know the more I think about it I d- Norman is a vicious bastard right oh, he's yeah. a mean guy and I think Greg Norman got to a point where he's like you know what think about it I mean I know, I know you know we're talking about some evil money here there's a lot of evil money in the world though uh, yeah, Greg Norman sure. apparently got the idea he's like you know what I have a chance here to really F with the PGA. Yeah. And these guys don't care. Like, I've pitched them on, let's go. Let's just spend money wildly. And I think they're going to make an offer to Barkley where he's like, listen, Charles Barkley likes to live at a high level. He's a degenerate gambler. So I don't know, like, if he's in the soup on that. You know, we believe that Phil Mickelson has been in the soup gambling-wise. So you know Phil has no ethics. So you know Phil was going to jump at LIV, you know, 54 golf as soon as he could, right? So what are they trying to do here? So it started getting my imagination working. Like, what else could they just buy into in American sports just to F with it? Yeah. And I think that's what, what my point is, is if you're if you're thinking about this topic and you're you know going to vote on the poll question and thinking about what can they do, you don't have to think in terms of what can they do to try to make money. They're not they don't trying care. to make – they don't care. No, they, don't care. <laughs> they just paid for all these golfers for the streaming rights deal of streaming them live for free on the Internet. Right. They are selling tickets to like eight people. They're not making for any no money. money. This the, is a vanity play. You, I have a friend who's a big Live Golf Tour fan, which is very is weird. Right? Uh, obsessed with it, watches the YouTube streams. He he wants to buy hats and shirts and stuff. You can't. Yeah. They're not a profit-making <laughs> organization. Yeah. They're just messing with the PGA Tour. That's all they're doing. So, not messing with them. They're trying to get a PR thing, but that's what they're doing. So the poll question, and it's up at ESPN Las Vegas, is. What would you like to see the Saudis and Liv spend their money on in American sports? Just to screw with it. So mine was, hey, these idiots in Cincinnati who are like, we can't be competitive with the Reds. You know what? What's your team worth? $1.2 million? Here's two mil. Saudis are like, we bought the Reds. Here's our big announcement. 
Who has the highest payroll in baseball? Where are the, where are the um, Dodgers at? 275? We're going to have a billion-dollar payroll. Let's go. What, wait, Aaron Judge? Yankees? Oh, they upped their offer to 10 years? $420 million? Ha! $840 million for 10 years. And they just go out and buy every, and, you know, just pillage the poor and the weak who don't want to spend money and actually steal players from the Dodgers, the Phillies, the White Sox, the Mets, you know, the evil empires of baseball, Yankees, Red Sox, and just have literally a billion-dollar payroll, what would stop them from doing it, right? Or how about just buy a team in the NBA? Because all these leagues have these soft caps. And you guys, you have guys like the GSW owner, Joe, Joe Lacob's like, well, I mean, luxury time. We don't care. We don't care. You think you're rich? We don't care. So you know what, Lacob? F you. We're buying the Kings. We're buying the Kings. And we're getting everybody. What's your payroll? 340? Ours is a billion. And then the other one I would, the other, the choice we put in the poll was buy the USFL. And you can try to sign NFL players, but even better, college football is riding high right now. Arch Manning, you ain't going to Texas. You're playing in the USFL. And I, I Here's wonder, a $300 million contract for a high school player. Three years, that's the commitment. The same amount of time that you are forced to stay at Texas or in college football, $300 million. Oh, what the, I mean, the PGA is flipping out right now. What if they did that to one of those sports? That would be great. And I think, you're, I think you're onto the right thing. There has to be a league. It can't be a team within a league. Uh, well, because the other owners are going to see what's coming right. and vote it down. And they would, but, it, but, it, but it would also be, like, horrendous publicity. Like, the, the talk they would get out of it would be awesome. Oh, for sure. There's no question. And the and, USFL, and that's what they the, want. The USFL, they could get for nothing. I'll right. give you the up. And I don't know what legally is to stop a player, say, tomorrow. Yeah. What is to stop Brady is at the end of his career. Right. But what's to stop Patrick Mahomes from saying – I retire from the NFL. I'm going to sign with Live FL, and Live and they're going to pay me a billion dollars a year. What's to stop that from happening? Now you could say, well, there's no competition. It's not going to be a fun. You're not rewarded. It's, what, it's kind of what the Who, golf is. I'm getting a yeah. The golf is not real golf. Like, what do they care? They're getting a billion a year. Okay. And so, you, you know what my dream is? Because I didn't put it on the poll question. My dream is. Live buys Rutgers. Nope. Major League Eating, and Kobayashi I mean, is back. Let's go. I wish this would have happened fifteen That's years it. ago. The the Shea brothers have shut out Kobayashi and Chestnut, which is essentially like Ali Frazier. We could have had it seventeen times, and we've been denied. They buy. Well, what is Shea's going to do? Right. Okay. We'll give you. Here's three hundred million dollars well, for your, your eating league. Of course, they're going to cash in, and then. I mean, I guess Chestnut could walk. He's going to look like a wimp. Well, they, they would buy and they, bring, and they bring back Kobayashi. They would, Shea is the, pro, this is the commodity. They just buy Shea. George and Rich, they're entertaining guys, but you, you, get, you get someone but else. But I think, I think you, you, you or want right. him. Or, or kind of, I mean, not, you could kind of do what, um, in the end, what happened with UFC where UFC was purchased, and they're like, well, Dana White has to stay on. Yeah. So here you go, Shea's. You get $150 million a piece for your 
eating league. Wait, you're not going to take that? And you both have to stay on as the announcers. And here's $100 million, uh, for each Chestnut and Kobayashi to go head-to-head once a week in 52 different disciplines. Listen, I know it's evil. I know the money's not coming from a great place. But we're seeing what's happening here. This is, there's something going on where they're like, we don't care. We don't care if we make money. We're going to ruin the best sports TV show by stealing Barkley. I mean, if Barkley really is making $10 million a year from TNT, I'm, I'm sure they're like, what? They're, they're paying go- like Their golfers are getting paid. I'm like, who? Who did he just got fifty million guaranteed? Like I think Kevin Na makes more money than Barkley. Good, good for Kevin Na, but are we serious? I, just, I mean, I, yes, all, all of the things are true. I, I, at some point there has to be a plan. There I hope have to be a plan. there does. Well, you at some point, like I believe what they're going to do with Live is have all the golfers start speaking out against certain policies and certain things. Like they're going to do what they want them to do. They're paying them to do a certain thing. I assume they would also do that with Barkley and, you, and other people. You, you do realize none of them know that that the, that could be the plan. Like of if Barkley signed on, I'm sure Barkley would be like, "Wait, wait, what? I have to sign what? I can't <laughs> right. say. Wait, right. I, I have to echo some sort of message. Wait, I'm not doing this. Too late. Yeah, but that, um, that's what I'm thinking. Because you took the money. They're not like the again. I, just, I keep coming back to it. The plan wasn't to start a golf. They're not showing it. They're not selling tickets. Like they're putting it in an obscure place. It's crazy. So all of these things are on the table. Because the plan is to just own it and then have this commodity to do something with it. They're not trying to make money. That's what's so frustrating to the leagues here, and it's going to be really tough to fight against. They're going to do whatever they want. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co. It's time for Cofield & Company's UNLV football opponent preview. Let's break down UNLV versus Notre Dame. Adam, I'm going to be in South Bend. You know, I don't mind that song once. I don't want to hear it like 50 times. <laughs> you might. I, you're right. It's I a might. it's a lovely place. It's kind of the middle of nowhere. Have you been there? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Not to a game. All right. Uh, but I've been there. One of the cool things, you know, a group of five schools get one. They get a, a payout. You know, could always use the money. But you get some interesting trips, like uh, UNLV's played at Ohio State, at Michigan, at USC in past years. And, yeah, Notre Dame's on the schedule this year. And one of the guys who covers fighting Irish football and sports is uh, Sean Davis, who gives us a couple minutes now as we go deep dive on the Irish and their outlook for the season. How are you, sir? Steve, Adam, thanks for having me on, guys. How are you doing today? We're good, man. We're real good. Um, and we're going to – you know, we're actually – not only are we going to see UNLV at – a Notre Dame, but Notre Dame's here on October 8th. Do you expect the Irish right. to travel a bunch of fans to Vegas to take on BYU? Are you serious? <laughs> a fan base like Notre Dame that travels anywhere in Las Vegas is a perfect, perfect combination. And I think it's going to be one of the most underrated games on their schedule because I think BYU has an opportunity with the weapons they have on offense to really make a game of it for the Fighting Irish. I completely agree, but have you heard any feedback from fans that are trying to go? BYU travels insane, and Las Vegas is already full of BYU fans, which is uh, kind of a you know maybe a little unknown uh, fact. But I know the BYU fans are going to be out of control there. I think it's going to be a real battle for tickets. I think it's going to be a battle for tickets. I have heard from Fighting Irish fans to this point. They've been complaining mostly about the hotel prices. 
that weekend that are already jacked up. But Notre Dame fans always find a way to buy tickets, and they will mortgage houses. They will mortgage, yeah. you know, 501c3s <laughs> and anything, savings accounts, the children's education funds. They would do whatever to get to a Notre Dame game. Heck, they're doing it already to get to the opener across the pond in Ireland for next season. So I wouldn't be too afraid of the ticket prices for Notre Dame fans, but the complaint that I've heard is about the prices of all of the hotels in Las Vegas. Yeah, sounds familiar. Uh, before we set up the season, let's talk about what happened in the offseason. So, mm-hmm. so far, what's the big difference for you between, you know, Marcus Freeman now as a head coach versus the guy who was there for a long time? Well, it's pretty simple. All you have to do is listen to the players on the roster, and it's the fact that Marcus Freeman is present. And what I mean by that is, you know, Brian Kelly, very successful. You have to tip your cap to him to where he came in and where the program was and where he was able to take the Notre Dame program to. You have to tip your cap because he did an incredible job. But he was much more of a CEO rather than a hands-on coach or a player's coach. And I think that's the biggest change that's been felt by the players on the current roster. I will say this. Most of us thought that there would be eight to nine transfers from this roster after the bowl game. And because of Marcus Freeman, the vast majority of those guys chose to stay because they wanted to have the opportunity to play for Marcus Freeman. So that tells you everything you need to know about how the players feel about Marcus Freeman being the head guy in charge. Uh, I'm sure you've been asked this before, but since you brought up Brian Mm -hmm. Kelly, how often did you hear the Southern accent covering him? (laughs) Um, Never. (laughs) Never. I definitely heard the Boston accent the majority of the time. I don't know where that accent came from, but I'm glad I'm glad he's trying to acclimate himself to the South and hopefully he can acclimate himself to the recruiting down there. And if he doesn't do that and change his ways, like I said, at Notre Dame, he was much more of a CEO. I don't know if you've seen the video of All-American tight end Michael Mayer, who was recently talking about the difference between the two coaches. And he simply said during the summer, we never saw our former head coach, Brian Kelly. We don't know where he was. Maybe he was recruiting. He wasn't. But, you know, (laughs) hopefully he's not visiting the golf courses down in Baton Rouge as as much as he did while he was at Notre Dame. It was all fun, but on a a serious note, was that, in your mind, is that looking at him just trying to do too much right away and trying overly hard to fit in where he knows he might not? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. A lot of people in South Bend – With the departure of Brian Kelly, of course, they didn't say it while he was in town. But with his departure, they opened up a lot more about their feelings towards him. And they felt like Brian Kelly was one of those coaches that never really wanted to stay in Notre Dame and was always looking for an out. Whether it was the NFL after he went to the championship game in 2012 or after the 2015 season, uh, he tried to flirt with the NFL once again. And then he tried to act like he wasn't talking to programs throughout last season. So it was almost like being in a relationship with someone that you know doesn't want to be with you, but you really just don't want to end it because you don't see a viable replacement at that point in time. So luckily, Marcus Freeman, which ironically was hired by Brian Kelly just 10 months prior, and ironically, it was LSU that he stole Marcus Freeman's from by giving him a better offer, luring him down to South Bend for the defensive coordinator position. And then 10 months later, he's the head coach in Notre Dame. So 
just the connections and the irony of the entire story from Marcus Freeman showing up as defensive coordinator and the entire era of Brian Kelly, how they switched positions. It just turned out to be an amicable split, an amicable <laughs> split, I would say. Both sides got what they wanted, and now we can just move on. We're talking about another uh, one of the UNLV opponents. This one's on October 22nd. So we go through all the opponents from the end of the season to the beginning. Notre Dame is up today, and uh, Sean Davis does the lucky lefty pod. All right, so let's deep dive here. Uh, first of all, what happens at quarterback now? So, they, you know, they've had some change the last couple of years. Uh, you know, they used uh, Cohen, a transfer last year. You know, before that, Ian Book. What are they looking at a quarterback this year? Well, it's not too far from what you guys are looking at with your quarterback position at UNLV and Coach Arroyo because, you know, you have a freshman that got to play a little bit, came in last year, showed some spark, but you don't know what you really have because he's never started a full game. And then you have Drew Pine, who is the people's champ. That's what I call him. Everybody loves him. All the fans love Drew Pine because, he, of course, he's the backup quarterback. The backup quarterback is always beloved. And they've gone through a spring battle. Marcus Freeman has said it's been equal. And he's looking for the quarterback that's not going to make the big mistakes. I think most connected to the program will tell you that Tyler Buckner had the better spring of the two. Drew Pine, uh, he was injured for the spring game. Drew Pine didn't fare well in the spring game. And so going into the fall camp, most believe that Tyler Buckner has not been named the starter but he will indeed be the starting quarterback when they take the field September 3rd at the Horseshoe against Ohio State. Let's talk about the defense because now it's led by a different guy in Al Golden. So what are they expecting yeah. in terms of the defense run by Golden? Well, the one thing Marcus Freeman said is that he was immediately impressed with the way Al Golden was able to simplify information and teach it to his players. And they were able to learn at a quicker rate than they were when he was defensive coordinator. That took a lot of humility of the head, as a head coach to be able to say that, like, yo, this guy has come in and he's been far more effective communicating with our guys than I was over the last 10 months. And that gives you a lot of credence to some of the things that you saw, especially once Kyle Hamilton went out with that injury after the sixth game, you start to see some mix-ups on the back end and then the blitzes that were getting there early in the season from the linebacking core, teams started to expect that, pick that up, and they started to make some hay in the secondary. Of course, you saw Oklahoma State do that in the second half against the Irish secondary. So for the defense, they have stalwarts. They have the twins, the Adam Miola brothers, Justin and Jason, studs. You have Isaiah Foskey, who could have gone in the second round of the NFL draft. He returns to have the opportunity to win a national championship. Those are his words, not mine. And then you have some of the youngsters that are rising stars like Riley Mills, who had a four-sack day against Virginia last year. He's coming on. He's had a great spring. The strength of this defense will be the front seven. They lost two of their playmakers at linebacker in fall camp last year before the season. Maris Leofile, he returns. Jordan Botello, he returns at linebacker. And what they got from guys like Jack Kaiser and J.D. Bertrand last year, you couldn't expect more because they were not expected to play that many snaps coming into the season. And they got worn down at the end of the season, and they weren't able to really be sound and make the tackles in space. And you saw teams take advantage of Notre Dame uh, with, with space and pace later on in the season. They won't be able to do that because they're two big playmakers. If healthy, 
Maris Leofout, who, in my opinion, will be the MVP of this defense. He's just that good. And Jordan Botello, if they're both healthy, look out for the Notre Dame front seven. They will be able to dominate most teams on their schedule. Talking Notre Dame football. Now, the crazy thing is this schedule, it's always aggressive. But, my God, mm-hmm. you got to open at Ohio State where Marcus Freeman yeah. played. Uh, and right now the Irish are catching like 14. 14, 14 and a half in some spots. And I'm feeling very comfortable. If you're a Notre Dame fan, go ahead and take that bet right now. The main reason I say that is because you want to play an Ohio State team early in the season. Because the offense, by the time they get to the middle of the season, I think they're going to be running on all cylinders, putting up easily 45 points a game. Right now, C.J. Stroud, he still has his main guy, Jackson and Jigga, uh, Smith and Jigba. And then Marvin Harrison Jr., he came on in that Rose Bowl. But the other guys, we really don't know what you're going to get. And once again, you allow that front seven that I expect fully to be able to dominate to go in against a reshuffled Ohio State offensive line and to be able to get off to a good start. And it's all about stopping Travion Henderson. You know C.J. Stroud and his receivers are going to make plays, but you can't allow them to be to uh, have both dimensions, the run game and the pass game going. You stop Travion Henderson, punch them in the mouth, use the same game plan that we saw Utah use in that Rose Bowl. They were physical, they got out front, they ran the ball, They just didn't have the horses defensively to get stops in the second half. Notre Dame does have better athletes, especially in the secondary. And I look for them to be able to make this a closer game than Las Vegas thinks, especially with guys like Cam Hart and Brandon Joseph in the back end. So how long until it's a conference game? (laughs) You know what? That's a very, very good question. Right now, Notre Dame sits in a very – very good position. I know a lot of people are ready for Notre Dame to go ahead, come into the future, uh, get with the times, and join a conference, specifically the Big Ten, because geographically and for other reasons, it's probably a better fit than going to the SEC. But this is built around contracts, guys. That's what it's all about, Steve and Adam, contracts. The CFP being up, the playoff being up in 25, Notre Dame contract with NBC being up the year prior to that. You have CBS breaking their contract with the SEC in 20, after 23. So it's going to be that year between 23 and 24 where I think Notre Dame is really going to have to sit down and decide where the landscape is, where it's going, and what's going to be the best thing for it. As we sit here and we discuss this today, they are in no rush, but they are being very shrewd because the news that broke that they want $75 million in their next TV deal. I think it was kind of put out there by Notre Dame as a filler to say, hey, this is the starting point, and they will have NBC and CBS to be able to go and look at. And they both have pretty much the same thing. CBS has CBS Sports with the less of the uh, non-Power 5 conferences that they uh, have their games on the airwaves. And then you have the SEC leaving. Could Notre Dame be the crown jewel in their package? You have NBC who has Notre Dame. Will they be willing to give that 75 after years of only paying 15 million? That would be quite a bump, but then they want to subsidize their package. They're talking to the Big 12, according to reports, to get the Big 12 to take that 12 o'clock start 
to be able to play into the 3.30 kickoff at Notre Dame or the occasional 7 o'clock primetime kickoff on a Saturday night. So we'll see where things go. Right now, Notre Dame is just letting everything play out, putting out fillers to see what they can get in response. And then by the time we get around to, I would say, the end of the 23 season and the end of the 24 season, that's when the rubber will hit the road and we'll see ultimately what Notre Dame is going to end up doing. Sean, tell people in Vegas where they can uh... – I think everyone knows where to find a podcast, but tell people about the podcast. It's the Lucky Lefty Podcast. I co-host with former Notre Dame quarterback Malik Zaire, and we're on Monday through Friday, 1030 to noon on our YouTube channel. You can check us out. Go subscribe right now. It's Lucky Lefty Podcast Network on YouTube. You can also check us out on Apple Podcasts under A2S Network, Apple Podcasts, A2S Network, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at SD2Mikes, and you can follow Malik at Overtime Malik on both as well. Sean, that was awesome, man. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Stephen Adam, have a great day. Thank you for having me on. There he is. Sean Davis covering Notre Dame for a long time. A lot of good information there. We'll come back. We'll address the money concerns. I, I swear, I was just thinking during the last break, I'm like, we went from doing a show when things had slowed down, and I felt like we, especially when we were here on Thursdays, all we talked about was COVID, masks, and vaccines. And now all we talk about is money. I, I swear, like, during the conversation, I'm like, I don't know, do the Saudis want to buy Notre Dame football? Like, uh, put money into that, too. Let's go. Awesome giveaways and promotions all week long at the William Hill Raisin Sportsbook inside Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. Now, the body shapes come in all different shapes and sizes, but Leonard Fournette should not have allowed himself to get 20, 30 pounds. If this report is true, Leonard Fournette should be embarrassed. It's Cofield and Company. Leonard Fournette, Leonard Baguette. Mm. See, like, if he eat 30 pounds, he ate a lot of baguettes or beignets because he's from New Orleans. Yeah, they still got them down there. That's what he's been eating. Mm. Skip, this is embarrassing. Mm. <sighs> because I'm fat, fat, I'm fat. I mean, just because Shannon Sharp has to be super immature and call him Leonard Baguette. The vast sound crew at Lotus has to throw in Weird Al and I'm fat. Is there any need for this it's pretty childishness? Standard operating procedure? Eh, kind of on this show, yeah. Sure, yeah. When do we add him as a co-host? I mean, about 50 pounds. <laughs> Might be the case. He is a big fella. He is a big fella, Leonard Fournette. He is. But it's not the – and you never know with, with how reports are uh, released and how they come out, and maybe they're just sending him a message. But him – if you told me he reported at 260, I'd say, yeah, probably. He probably works himself into shape. That's what he does. But the reports weren't that he was out of shape. It was that the coaches felt he was out of shape and were angry. That's different. And so, again, maybe they were just saying that. Maybe they purposely leaked that out to send a message to him. But it does seem like there's something going on there in terms of – uh, what shape he showed up in the camp. And I, I would imagine that Tom Brady probably has to talk with him and the new staff has to talk with him, and he'll probably be fine when the season starts. But there's there's some concern. Could Tom have talked to him, say, four months ago? Maybe that would have helped. Sure. Follow my lifestyle, brother. Well, what do you think Fournette plays at? 
Oh, I think he's right around 250 anyway. Yeah, 245, so it's not like he's... I don't think it's the weight. Yeah, he's. it's not... I'm trying to think of someone who's 190 pounds in the NFL if he comes at a 260. It's a little different. Yeah, is that he probably just sat, sat on the beach and just drank and, and ate. I don't know what his, what his plans are, but he probably he probably enjoyed the offseason quite a bit. And it's not that he's much much heavier than his playing weight, but it's just more what shape he's in. And that's what it sounds like the team is a little bit upset about. God, God, I had to make a I had to make a split second decision on a, uh, on a, a basically an auction free agency period in a fantasy league. Perfect the, time the, to get him. The, well, the news broke. No, the bidding kept going up, and the, uh, the news broke right when it happened. I said, "I'm out. I can't. I'm not going to commit to this." I thought it'd be bargain basement. No, just kept driving him up. Um, if I walk over to the William Hill Sportsbook right now and bet the Bucks to win the Super Bowl, good bet, right? Uh, good bet. Sure. Yeah, well, because, I mean, based on because, what just happened, yeah, based on what just happened, J Lo got married. Explain to the audience. So every time J Lo has been married, they've won a title, or excuse me, Tom Brady has won a title, and that dates back to Michigan. Oh wow! J Lo got married when he was in Michigan. Michigan won the title. She got married when he was in New England. New England won the title. Now she's getting married again here in Las Vegas. Clearly, that means the Bucks are going to win the title. Now. I don't know if this is as powerful as the, you know, we told you the Warriors were going to win the title. That was a guarantee. Do you remember why? Kendrick Lamar, every time he releases an album, the Warriors win the title. That's a good point. So we told you before the playoffs, when Kendrick Lamar's album dropped, they were going to win the title. I don't know if this is as strong, but there's definitely some compelling evidence here. Uh, Let me tell you, because we've talked about J-Lo and her crappy tipping over the years. Man, Everyone in the city knows about it, at least on social media. When that story came down the other day that she got married, people crushed her. Like, when you are a crap tipper in Vegas, it is never forgotten. And, of course, the legendary story is her and Affleck the first time around. Affleck's winning big at the tables over at the old Hard Rock. He puts up, you know, a nice-sized fair tip on a gigantic win, and she pulls down 90% of it. Yeah. That spread like wildfire, and people still remember it. Yeah, I saw people the other day when it said J-Lo was getting married in Las Vegas where people were like, she should marry Scottie Pippen. Like, <laughs> okay, we're going to tie in everybody that doesn't tip now to get married? Yep. Crazy. Yep. But people don't forget, and they on shouldn't. The, on the way back, a little more Mountain West Conference football, talking to a bunch of the coaches with uh, the media day in town. We will get into a breakup that was way worse than, say, J-Lo and A-Rod. Jay Norvell leaving Reno for CSU. Reno ain't over it yet, folks. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield and Co. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver Sevens, it's Cofield and Company. Great place to hang out seven days a week, Silver Sevens, but especially on Thursdays and you play with your A-Play card and they've got the Thursday Great Gas Card giveaway, 100 bucks uh, in terms of uh, the gift card value, and they're giving away those $100 gift cards, gas gift cards, every 15 minutes starting at 6 o'clock tonight. Until 10, you come down, you play with your A-play card, you earn entries, and then $100 gas card giveaway, 6 o'clock to 10 o'clock. We've talked a lot about money today, right? Gas is expensive. For Jay Norvell, the former Reno coach, it came down to money. The Wolfpack program is just not backed with enough money. They don't have a practice facility. They're dying to get one. And I think he had a lot of other things he was annoyed about. We got into it 
at Mountain West Conference Football Media Days. But I started off the conversation with the obvious question, why leave Reno, Jay Norvell, to stay in conference and go to Colorado State? Just a great opportunity, uh, uh, just the support that they have for their football program there. And people are very excited about uh, having us there. And so we're really excited about the new opportunity. So I know there was a lot of discussion leaving uh, Nevada about funding and practice facilities. And I know last year you had to do a lot of traveling um, in the preseason and, and uh, train in, in Northern California. How big a factor was that on, on both sides? No, I think I think there's a lot of things that, that happened over five years. You know, and I, I vented those concerns uh, over the years and, you know, some of the things were being able to to be addressed, and some of them weren't. Right. And and um, you know, by the time we got to the end of last season, um, the, the train had left the barn, and and so it is kind of what it is. Um, you know, I love my time in Nevada. I, you know, I'm I'm the kind of person that we pour everything we have into what we do, and. And uh, we're proud of what we were able to accomplish. There's a lot of things that we didn't accomplish that we wanted to. Um, but it, it just, moving forward, it just wasn't a possibility. And so we're excited about the new opportunity that we have. Tell people in Las Vegas about the facilities in Fort Collins, because I've been up there. That stadium is fantastic, but it's, it's a big upgrade. Yeah, $225 million brand-new stadium in, tw- in 2017. They went to the University of Minnesota. Um, who was building a new stadium. They also went to Baylor. And they kind of took the best ideas out of those two places. It's 38,000. Uh, it's a great it's a great facility. And, and uh, you know, we're an hour from Denver. Um, we got direct flights all over the country for recruiting. And we're just getting a, a real great response from recruits. You know, I tell people here in Las Vegas, if they, you know, if they laugh at, you know, you leaving or, you know, troubles in Reno, we are tied together in this state. So I do wonder if, you know, this is a kind of a warning sign like, hey, funding at UNLV has been pretty good, but a lot of it's been outside funding and, and state funding. I think that's where the real issue is. And that should be the worry point for both Nevada and UNLV. Well, I mean, it, it's a challenging time in college football. I mean, I mean, every school is challenged uh, by funding uh, and putting the most competitive product on the field. And, you know, there are certain things you can work to overcome. Um, but over time, it gets difficult to keep fighting similar battles. And until things get adjusted or addressed, um, you know, every year coaches have to make a decision on, on if they want to continue to fight those battles. And, um, you know, I lost some coaches uh, that really is hard to overcome that. Yeah. Um, we had success, but we really weren't compensated for the success that we had. And so... Um, I just think all those factors kind of came together and, um, you know, it didn't have to go the way it did, uh, but um, unfortunately it did. And so um, it is what it is. Yeah, UNLV <laughs> lost its, uh, its OC, its DC to, uh, you know, more money and bigger jobs, lost its top two basketball coaches. I mean, that's, you know, kind of the standard here. You shouldn't be losing assistant basketball coaches because of money, but uh, that's reality. All right, let's talk football. Um, you had to use the transfer portal. You, you wanted to use the transfer portal. And I think right out of the gates, you did something that was real interesting with Clay Millen because not only did you bring in a transfer, but you've already worked with the kid. The transfer portal is just like the NIL and a lot of the new rules. There's good and bad to it. These are new rules that we're all trying to get adjusted to. And, and uh, 
you know, I, I talked about this for a year or so when they talked about the transfer portal is that we don't really know how this is going to affect things. And obviously the best players out there are players that are talented, that know what you do. You know, it was an organic thing that happened when we left, the timing of it all. But we're excited about Clay. Clay's a really talented guy. He knows how we want to operate and do things. He played behind Carson Strong, and he kind of just brings a uh, comfort level to what we do and helping us get things started. Do you think Carson has a chance to really make in the NFL? You know, I do. I just hope he stays healthy. You know, he, he played all last year on one leg. He showed incredible courage in the way that he handled that. And I hope he can stay healthy. If he if he can, I think he'll have a good NFL career. Who are some of the other key guys you brought over from Nevada? Uh, we brought two starting linemen, uh, uh, Jacob Gardner and, 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 and um, Gray Davis. Um, Tory Horton, our wide receiver. Melquan Stovall, our wide receiver. Angel King was our best corner. So those are just some of the guys that we, we brought yeah. with us. To, uh, to me, I, I know there's a lot of big names in there. I thought bringing over Gardner from at left tackle, yeah. that's a ridiculous get. And yeah. I, I, I thought watching him, you know, to, to recruit a kid, to plug him in as a freshman, I mean, to have a, a left tackle for four or five years no is doubt. insane. And, and, you know, he started as a true freshman. I think he's got the most starts on our team of any player yeah. that's and so and we're moving him to center now which is really his oh, natural position and so he's learning a new position but he can be an outstanding center so we're excited about him uh concerns on defense what do you have on defense we have 59 new players on our you know i just laugh about when i hear different people talk about returning starters i mean we we have a couple kids that have been starting right that that are back so just just establishing uh putting a stingy defense on the field a team that could not give up big plays and and give us a chance to win every week is the challenge and so we've got a couple of guys that have played but most of them haven't we're at mountain west conference football media days jay norvell now the coach at colorado state is here with us so when you talk about that you know 59 new guys i know at unlv uh Arroyo was talking, Coach Arroyo was talking about, you know, 13 guys are back from his first year. They've turned over the roster that much, up to 105 players now. So for the with 59 new guys in, you're trying to establish a culture. Spring's important, but now, now you have to rush, you know, right. in the fall. How much do you have to get done in the fall? It's and I'm, I'm assuming not everything's set either. No. You're going to have a lot of guys still fighting three and four weeks into the season for playing time and maybe switching ones and twos. So the challenge is to get them all play together, right? And to give them the quality experiences they need to be able to compete on Saturdays in the fall. And so we've done all we can to accelerate that process. Um, but the bottom line is in, in, until they play uh, and then you could develop playmakers that play consistently, um, you know, it's a development. You're in a development period. And so we're trying to accelerate that the much we can. The, the good thing is, you know, I had an old coach that said everybody's got problems. So everybody's going through the same thing you're going through. So the problem is to manage it better than the other people do. So that's all we're trying to do. Not to be a bummer, but you open at Michigan. So you have, have to get up going quickly. You have a key right. game where you play uh, at Wazoo. Who's in your, your Mountain West Conference grouping? I'm assuming Wyoming's in it. Yeah. We, okay, and then who's yeah. the second team? Yeah, we play. I mean, obviously, we play. We play. We're still in divisional play this year, right. so we play the, the traditional divisional, right. you know, with Utah State and, and, and New Mexico and Boise, um, Wyoming. So we'll play Air Force, all the traditional uh, division rivals this last year. And then uh, we cross over. We don't get the Rebs this year, but Next we year, cross over. Down we, here. we start with Nevada, uh, our opening conference game in Reno. I think it's a Friday night game, 
and then um, um, and then we play San Jose uh, and Hawaii. Well, that'll be, that'll be interesting on a Friday night. Yeah, in Reno. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be good. <laughs> there'll be some. There'll be a little, a little bit of intensity there. No uh, in terms of rivalries, CSU top rival, Wyoming. Yeah, Wyoming I mean, is right our down traditional. The road. You know, and and you know we're in the front range, uh, the Rockies. So you know, for us, it's 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 Wyoming, it's Colorado, and it's Air Force. Do you think there's uh, going to be something different in terms of feel with? The Wyoming CSU rivalry, you know, versus the Reno UNLV, and I was going to say you actually you guys had the upper hand, but Sanchez actually did a pretty good job against you guys. But the, you know, the UNLV Reno Nevada rival rivalry is a can be a nasty rival. We saw it. I was on the field, you know, during the brawl, and that yeah. you know that's not no not what you want to happen. But you understand the the oh, yeah. energy that goes into something like that. No rivalries are great, and and um, um, yeah, we're going to miss the the game with the Rebs. Uh, it was always good. Um, but but yeah, this this rivalry with Wyoming is important. Uh, great history. Um, I mean, they're so close. That's one thing. You, you, when you actually live in Fort Collins, you realize how close Laramie is. Um, it's a it's a natural rivalry. So it'll be a physical game. It'll be fun to play. I'm going to close out rapid fire, and we kind of covered some of these already. But kind of, I'm going to go with a, a good or evil. So the portal, good or evil? I mean, it's. It's both. I don't want to be a cop out, but right. it's it's it can be very evil. Okay, conference realignment and all these talks, good or evil? I don't think it's good. So evil. Yep. Las Vegas. <laughs> now now you can answer honestly. You weren't allowed to answer this for the past five years. Good or evil? I love Vegas. <laughs> I gotta, I've always loved Vegas, so I can't call it evil. Do you have a favorite spot? A favorite restaurant? Anything like that? Uh, Piero's. Yeah, okay, restaurant. that's a classic. Yeah. Everyone in town knows Piero's going old, back to Tark's days. Old school, yeah. Good deal. Well, we're glad you're doing well. Glad you, uh, you, know, you got a job you, you want, and uh, much success at CSU. Appreciate it, guys. I like the honesty. We had Ken Wilson on, the, the new Reno coach who's going back to Reno, and he made sure to slip in that when he was there, they'd had a 17-2 and run against UNLV with Chris Alt. Settled down. And now Norvell's like, I don't care. I don't have to lie anymore about how I hate Vegas. By the way, uh, what's what's UNLV's record against Reno? Who knows and who cares? They're irrelevant. We don't spend every they day do. focusing I know. on them. They do care about it up there a lot more than we do. CSU is going to be really interesting because they took a lot of the offensive players from Reno. One being U Millen played in the NFL. His son Clay Millen was a pretty big recruiter, three star, and he was at Nevada. And Norvell's like, I need a quarterback. Norvell took the left tackle. He took two of the top receivers. It's like. Bro, you took a couple of defense like you're just you're it's leaving. Seemed, you're telling everyone in Reno like they suck because they don't have money, and then you take a bunch of the players. It seemed personal. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Oh, I think he was at he was at he was just done. You know, when you ask and ask and ask, and you know, and then CSU is like, look at all the money we have. This is what you can get, and CSU's facilities are really really nice. Giveaway time before we get to the five o'clock hour. We have so many cool unique events coming to town. We have the Ninja. World Series Finals here. It started today. It's over at the Orleans Arena. Goes 8A to 4P. We've got tickets for Saturday. Best qualified ninja athletes in the world. Ultimate Ninja World Series. You can grab your own tickets at orleansarena.com. This is a really neat event. Again, it's the Ultimate Ninja World Series Finals at the Orleans. Tickets, a four-pack. Actually, you know what? We'll do, we're going to do multiple four-packs. Caller 7 and 8. Ari's giving out a bunch of tickets. Caller 7 and 8, 364-1100, 364-11.
zero zero. We got some breaking news on some contract restructuring with the Raiders, giving them some more money to play with. Maybe they need it for their defense.